0: You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there.
1: Everybody today. You are out there, right? The worship didn't take it out of you. You still got some time to, some energy to listen, right? And maybe even respond and maybe even say a well-placed amen here and there. Arthur Lee? Okay. This message today, I don't know how it's going to affect you, but it greatly challenged me. It made me think about some things and there might even be an ouch moment. Near the end of this message. So we want to listen. We want to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today. If you've been with us for a while, you know we've been in a study through the book of Acts. We're up to chapter 13. Very brief review. Well, a review. Let's start there. A review. Up until now, the primary focus in the book of Acts up to 13 has been Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. That changes in chapter 13. The primary focus now shifts. It'll be the remainder of the then-known world, and it will stay that way through the rest of the book. This, of course, fulfills Jesus' strategic... Pay attention to that word. This fulfills Jesus' strategic evangelistic plan. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses... Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You start in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, eventually the ends of the earth. Until all the nations of the earth, every people group, has heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Just a a brief side note here. People seem to either focus on the filling and the power of the Holy Spirit from this verse, or they focus on the missionary mandate, go and make disciples. The two cannot be separated. Are you hearing this? The two cannot be separated. The filling of the Holy Spirit, the mission mandate, cannot be separated. The filling and the power of the Holy Spirit is connected to being on mission with Christ. If we're not about the mission, there's no guarantee, and there's really no need for the power of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's given to us to make us effective on mission with Christ. If we're just living our lives for ourselves and for this earthly life, you don't need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You can do that without the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. We do not receive the power of the Holy Spirit for personal experience, like so many want, or for personal gain. We receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you listening? To be effective on mission. This concept of being on mission with Christ is extremely important to Jesus. Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Quick plug for the baptism. If you're here and you haven't been baptized since you came to know the Lord or... Perhaps you haven't been baptized since you got serious about serving the Lord. Come and see us. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Now, probably this passage, Matthew 28 and Acts 1-8, they're the most most well-known of the Great Commission verses. And here in Matthew 28, it says, go make disciples... Of all nations. Nations are in focus. It's a national focus, it's a global focus. God is a God of the nations. His heart is for the nations of the world, every people group. The gospel message is to impact and influence nations. We have a core value at CCF. Whenever I can, I like to make sure we're getting these out. You get to hear it at least once a year. We go through them at the annual meeting, I think. I actually was putting one a week in the bulletin for a while. But we have a core value in this area of what we call missions, and it's this. Christians need to balance a local focus with a global consciousness. In evangelism... Especially, it's not just about a local focus, folks across the street. It's also about a global focus, folks across the seas. By the way, Tiffany, I didn't tell you I was going to say this, but Tiffany is working on putting something together that's going to help us with this global focus. Some sort of of prayer guide, and she'll be announcing that as time goes on. We're not quite ready to put that in place yet. And also, by the way, this is not a message about missions. It's a message about mission. There are other Great Commission verses, and they're much less well-known. In Luke, and Jesus said it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer, he would die, he would rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name, to all the nations beginning where beginning where jerusalem. there is no forgiveness of there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent and you are witnesses of these things so again notice in this great commission verse the gospel is to the nations and it would begin in jerusalem and it would eventually reach the entire world the disciples the believers the church in that first century They were to be witnesses. They were to be the ones carrying out this mission, telling their generation about Jesus. It's also true for all believers. It's true for you. And it's true for me. All believers in every generation, we have the same mission today. How many times have we said, we're in the church age, began at Pentecost, ends with the rapture. Everything that was true for them is true to us. And also... This is the really good news. Everything that was available to them is available to us. Don't let anybody teach you or tell you that certain things have stopped or certain things have ceased. We have the same mission and we have all the same tools and weapons to accomplish that mission. We sell ourselves short. Steve prayed again a good prayer this morning. Stop that devil's deception deceiving us into thinking we're not the same as them. They, they were more powerful than us. That's not for today. Since the word of God's become complete, we don't need all that stuff. That's baloney. We need it as much, maybe more so. So it's true for all believers in every generation, we have the same mission. A last Great Commission verse one of the very much lesser known. It's in Mark 16, 15. Then he told them, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. In this verse, Jesus breaks it down even further. It's still commissioned to the nations, all the world. But the way that you influence nations, cultures, societies, is by influencing individuals. Because cultures, societies, nations are composed of individuals. You reach individuals, you reach a nation. That's going to play into our closing application, the challenge to us that I believe God wants to issue. Four different passages relating to the great commission of Christ to the church, to believers. Now listen, and you know this. When God says something this many times... It's important. We've built great church doctrines on less information than this. So when he talks about mission, you're on mission, that's why you're saved, or at least that's why you're still here since you got saved. You're on mission to tell others about Jesus. He's very serious about that. And sometimes we wonder why we're not blessed quite as much as we think we should be. Sometimes we wonder why we don't have the power we think we should have. Maybe it's connected to the level of commitment to mission that we're on. And maybe if we step out into that mission, we'll begin to see those blessings. We'll begin to see that favor. We'll begin to to see that power that we so long for. We must hear. We must have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in these days. And this is one of the things that he's saying. He's very serious about this for the church. God has great, great plans for the world. Yes, I know. The rapture could happen tomorrow morning. The rapture could happen before we leave today. But in my heart, I believe has, that God has great, great plans for the world before the rapture. And he's calling his church into this mighty move. We need to have ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. What's our role? Are you just going to do it, God, apart from us? No, it's through the power that's at work within us and through us. Well, in any case, back to Acts 13. This is where it all started. The beginning of this movement to take the gospel to the ends of the world Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria weren't fully accomplished, but the work was going on there. Now the focus is the ends of the earth. We covered some of this the last time we spoke together. And by the way, Josh, thank you for speaking for me last week. Excellent job. Was that was last week? You guys did that, Pauline. Thank you. So that's a brief introduction to today's message. Today's text is Acts chapter 13, 13 through 32, and the title is Be Intentional. Deborah Robinson, if you'll come. The rest of us will stand. You know the drill if you've been here. We'll honor God's word together. Deborah's going to read a rather lengthy passage, but you'll see we're not going to cover the entire passage. She's still going to read it. Right into the mic, Deborah.
0: (laughs) From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled forty years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus, as he promised. Before before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, who do you suppose I am? I am the one you are looking for, but there is one coming af- I am not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news, what God promised our ancestors.
1: Thank you, Deborah. You may be seated. So the title today is Be Intentional. Well, intentional about what? We shall see. For those of you who love the geography stuff, here's a map. Looks a little better than the last map, right? Yes. Still don't have it quite down, but I got a thin red line instead of a big yellow blob. So Paul and his companions, they left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia. They landed at the town of Perga. There they met John Mark. Or there John Mark left them. That's for future. We won't talk about that today. John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas, they traveled inland to Antioch Pisidia. So the evangelism or the mission, mission's journey continues from Paphos to Perga. Now there's a reason they didn't stay in Perga. There was no synagogue in Perga, and it was a very hot, humid marshland. Malaria was prevalent, so they pushed right through Perga onto Pamphylia, onto Antioch, which was their ultimate destination. That was up in the mountains where it was cooler and there wasn't the sickness. All these, by the way, are districts that are located today in modern Turkey. It's where we're talking about, the country of Turkey. Interesting note there are roughly 32 towns named Antioch in that area in that day because the ruler that conquered that area, Seleucius Antioch, His name was Antiochus. His son was Antiochus, so he named every town he conquered Antioch. So you hear all these Antiochs. you'd be like, wait a minute, wasn't they were just, yeah. Well, Well, there's a whole bunch of them. Second interesting note, you know, their first stop was in Cyprus, that island. That was Barnabas' home area. Now they're up in the Tarsus Mountains. That's Paul's home area. There's a principle there. There's a principle for us. Something for us to ponder. They began their missions work in efforts, w- in their missions efforts, their evangelism efforts, in places which, with which they were familiar before they ever went to unknown regions. We'll see later, God wants us to be on mission wherever we are. Start where you are. Start where it's familiar before you try and foray into unknown places. I had one young lady who felt she was called to be a missionary, and she was very excited about that. But she was not on mission for the Lord at all here where she was living and where she was working and going to church. She said, but when I get to the mission field, but when I get to the mission field, I will be on fire for God. I'm like, no, you won't. You'll be the same person on the mission field that you are here. You've got to start here. God takes people who are on mission with him here, and he may take them overseas and put them into the missionaries' work. But you start where you are. So on the Sabbath they went to the synagogue for the services. This is in Antioch, Pisidia, in Turkey. After the usual readings from the book of Moses and the prophets, sorry, and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and share it. That's brothers, if you have any word from the Lord, we're open to hear it. You know how we often say in here at the appropriate times in the service, if anyone has a word from the Lord, we're open to hear it. Share with the congregation. That's what this was. So, again, remember last time, their practice when they entered a new area was to go into the synagogue, a place with which they were very familiar. They were both Jewish. And as Jews, they would be quickly welcomed in a synagogue. The people who attended synagogue would be devout Jews, and they'd be God-fearing Gentiles up in this Asia Minor, Turkey area. They'd be a receptive audience, at least to a point. They would be familiar with the scriptures. The Jews would be especially familiar with the Messianic scriptures about Jesus, which is what Paul and Barnabas wanted to talk about, Jesus. And they knew that in the synagogue, they would be given the opportunity to share. I want you to see how intentional and how strategic this was. It was well thought out by the apostles, under the direction of the Holy Spirit. They were asked to share, and that's exactly what Paul and Barnabas intended would happen. They would get in there. They'd be familiar. They're Jewish. These guys are Jewish. They'd be asked to share from the Scriptures. So Paul stood up. He lifted his hand to quiet the people, and he started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles... Listen to me. And Deborah read all of that for us. That sermon from Paul goes from verse 16 to verse 41. It's a great sermon. It has a lot of historical review of how God worked through the nation Israel. It has a lot of theological truth in it. Again, Deborah read read it for us, so hopefully you were listening because there will be a quiz at the end. Twenty-five verses. I hope you got them. And I don't want to really deal with the details of that message today, except there is one section I want to bring out to us, and it's this. It is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Brothers, you sons of Abraham and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. And now we are here to bring you this good news. I just pulled out some, some closing remarks that Paul made in his sermon because they're very important. Like Peter, like Stephen, like others before him, and really all the New Testament ser- sermons, the emphasis always comes around to Jesus and salvation in his name. Jesus who's God's promised Savior. That's what the people need to know. This message of salvation in Jesus' name has been sent to us, and now we're here to bring you this good news. Now we're here to tell you about it. We've been commissioned from the Lord to go out into all the world and tell you about this Jesus. We have been commissioned by the Lord to go out into the world and tell people about Jesus. It's the only reason you're still here if you know the Lord. Otherwise, He would have taken you home. You're going to do a lot of other things, but this is the primary thing. To understand God's heart. Many of us are suffering. Somebody mentioned, I think it was Justin, when you step out for the Lord and you start praying and coming to prayer meeting, you're liable to hit some opposition. Some of that opposition can become very severe and intense. God's heart is... Oh, I just love to see my children suffer this stuff when they try to serve me. No, God loves us so much, he'd rather we be with him. He'd take us home in a minute if he could. But he can't. Why can't he? Because there's so many lost souls waiting for us to bring them news about Jesus. That's his intention. And I've said it so many times. I'm so thankful the guy who led me to the Lord, that God didn't take him home before I met him. And that's 44 years ago now. It's always about Jesus. It's always about the gospel message. Our witness must always be about Jesus and the gospel message. Now listen, disclaimer, are you listening? You still with me? This doesn't mean we can never talk about any other aspect of our Christian life. But in evangelism, in witnessing, which is the context of today, it must always come around to Jesus. And it must always come around to salvation in his name. What you think about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what you think about styles of worship, what you think about church and humanitarian aid, benevolence, what you think about the church's involvement in social injustice, social justice, and many other areas. That's very, very important. What you think about those things, what you believe in those areas, they are important subjects. But, pause for effect. But, nobody's going to get saved through your opinion on those things. Did you hear me? Nobody's going to get saved by your opinion on those things. At some point, and the bottom line always is, they got to hear about Jesus. they got to hear about his message of salvation through faith in his name. Do you believe me? Well, let's prove it from Scripture anyhow. How can they call on him to save him unless they believe in him? All the hymns I have, all the HIMs I have emboldened. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Amen. It's all about him. Jesus and his message of salvation in his name. That must be the primary focus of our witnessing. Remember, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you're going to be my disciples. You're going to be my witnesses. You will tell people about me. You can have all these other doctrines and beliefs, and they're good, and they're necessary. But in evangelism, it has to come back to the person of Jesus Christ. Always. Acts 4.12, 12. see, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Paul, Stephen, Philip, Peter, Barnabas, they all made this the bottom line of their messages when they were talking to unsaved folks. It was the focus of their witnessing. Should we do any less? I pray, Lord, help me. Because we can talk about a million other things At ease. But we seem to choke and to choke up and to become reluctant when it comes to actually talking about Jesus and his message of salvation. And the door is often open to talk with people about a myriad of things. And when you start to move to talk about Jesus, all hell breaks loose. This is real. And so we sort of stay away from that. We'll talk about the weather. The bold ones of us will talk about church. But we've got to start talking about Jesus. Bring him into the conversation. Easier said than done. Easier to preach than to do. So in conclusion, and then with an application, excuse me. Why the title Be Intentional? This is where God wants to speak to us. He wants to address us. He's been addressing me. Ouch. It's a challenge. Why the title, Be Intentional? Because it does not take long to see that these guys, all these guys, we're looking at two of them today, Paul and Barnabas, but all these guys since Pentecost, they were very intentional And they were very strategic. Say those two words with me. Intentional and strategic. Intentional and strategic. Just one more time for threes. Intentional and strategic in their evangelistic efforts. Well, you didn't have to say that. I was moving on, but thank you that you're paying attention. This is what they lived for. This is what they lived for. Paul and Barnabas and all of those guys. We're just focusing on them because they're on this first official missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas were very intentional. They were very strategic. They laid out a plan. They started on the east coast of Cyprus, crossed the island east to west. When they finished in Cyprus, they sailed to Asia Minor. Their destination was Antioch, Pisidia. On their journeys, they would begin in the synagogues. They'd see, they'd see who was responsible, responsive there. Then they'd move on to other venues in the city as necessary. It was very intentional. It was very strategic. Okay. Need you to pay very much attention now. If you want to grip the pew in front of you, you can for this. We are not. No amens. We are not intentional and strategic about our evangelism. We tend to be very haphazard in our evangelistic efforts. Not all of us, of course, not all churches, of course, but for the most part, this was their life. This is not our life. We have life outside of living for the Lord. Come on. This was their life. We mostly live for other interests and other pursuits in life. And our mindset, and say amen if this is true, our mindset is more of, well, if it happens. If it happens. Rather than being intentional and strategic. This is not my message to you because this is a challenge. You know, it takes some effort. It takes some commitment. Being haphazard is almost kind of easy. If God happens to bring somebody to me, you know, and if He happens to give me the words, and if I'm not really too busy with something else, and if I don't really have to be somewhere else, I'll witness. I'll share. That's the easy way out. It takes courage to think about it, and to, it, also, it also takes knowing the Lord very intimately. Who, Lord? Where, Lord? Because it's a very strategic, intentional plan. These guys, in my opinion, didn't just dream this whole plan up. Remember, the Holy Spirit said at the beginning, set apart these guys for the work I have for them. And now they're on that work. I believe he started the work and he's maintaining the work. He's instructing them every step of the way. It's easy to be haphazard. I'm a committed Christian, and if God brings an opportunity, it's much harder to say, this is what I'm living for. And I'm going to think about it. I'm going to put some effort into it. We put a lot of effort into a lot of things in life, right? Yes. Not so much in this, though. If it happens, it happens. God cares too much about lost souls to have that attitude, come say, come saw. If it happens, it happens. God's very intentional. Intentional. And he's very strategic, and he wants to impart that to us as we seek him. So much we could say, so much we could say, but let's move on to the application. Because it begs the question where to begin, which I just touched on briefly, but it begs the question where to begin. Evangelism is a very important and relevant topic to God in these days because of what he's about to do. He needs a church who's prepared. How many times have we said the word of the Lord, at least to me, for us is shepherd this flock and prepare this church to receive the harvest. When we first moved in here, which was a total miracle, Totally, we were incapable of moving into a place like these facilities. And I told the people who were showing it, I might as well stop you here. Uh, I'm wasting your time. You're wasting my time. We'll never be able to afford this place. But we got in here, and we asked God why. The leaders, we asked God, why are we here? You, You know our history if you've been with us. We've met everywhere from fire halls to basements to under pavilions other other churches buildings and i'm probably forgetting a couple and then he placed us here why lord the answer was clear it was swift and clear i'm giving you a bigger barn to hold a greater harvest it's the only reason we're here it's to reach lost souls and we have a base of operation to do that from which we go out and we bring them back in and we disciple them are you with me in this Can I get some enthusiasm on this? This is what God's doing in this day. Preparing us for the harvest that's to come. I see so many good things going on in the church, around the nation, and around the world. And many of them I would love to be involved with. I'm like, I I would love to be doing this. I I don't want to say anything specific, but I would love to be doing that. And I, I see a YouTube, and yeah, I would love to be there on that front line with... How am I supposed to be there? What, What am I supposed to do? I have one assignment. Shepherd this flock, but prepare this church to receive the harvest. The work that he's doing out there in the world is preparing for a harvest that's going to be brought into the church. And he needs churches prepared to receive that harvest. Would I love to be out there on those front lines? You bet. My first desire after I got saved was to be a missionary be out on those front lines, never worked, ended up being a pastor instead. The pastor that discipled me, he wanted to be a missionary, but I'm just going to use his words. I am not referring to you at all in this, but he said, Lord, I want to be a missionary. I want to go where where the gospel is being preached to people, never heard it before. I want to go where Satan has set up his kingdom, blah, 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 and he said, the last thing I want to be, Lord, is a pastor to snibbling, complaining Christians here at home. Guess what he became? A pastor. Here at home. Discipling people like me and Dad. <laughs> so the question is, where do we begin? I have an answer, and we're going to move to a close. Begin wherever God has already placed you. Do not say when I get to, when I get there, when when this happens in my life, when, when I reach this stage. That may be too late. That may be too late for some who God is calling you to reach now. As you're waiting for things to straighten out in your life, people are going to hell all around you. Begin where you are in life right now. Today, your family, friends, network of relationships, your neighborhood, your workplace. Some of us are involved in community groups, in civic organizations, we're in social clubs, we're we're in hobby groups, groups united around the same hobby. Some of us are in school. Many, many other, the, the, the possibilities are endless. But wherever you are, start there. I had a word from the Lord a few months ago now, I guess. Whenever I got out of the hospital, because it happened very simultaneously to when I was in the hospital and right after I got out. And it was this word from the Lord that said, this church, it's the church, but this church right here, this small little Columbia Christian fellowship. We need to become an influence in our culture. We need to become an influence in our society. We need to get out of these pews and get out there. Out of the pews and into the streets, so to speak. And the Lord, I'm telling you guys, the Lord is adamant about that. What he's planning on doing cannot happen any other way. If we say, well, God will do it, or if we say God will use somebody else, there's a good chance it ain't going to happen at all, at least not our part of it which is a very significant part, because we're all significant to the Lord. Big church, small church, believer forever, just got saved. We're all important to the Lord. We're all part of this mission. He's already incorporated all that into his design. (laughs) We're not going to see our culture and our society, our communities, or our nation turn to God if the church continues to sit on the sidelines. If the church continues to sit in the pews. Sitting in the pews is great. I want you here Sunday morning and our small group stuff and our prayer meetings. That's where we get fed. But that's not an end in itself. This is not an end in itself. This is a means to an end. This feeds us and strengthens us and encourages us to get out there and be about the mission. And when that happens, we may just see this power of the Holy Spirit that we're so longing for. But until that happens, we probably won't. We don't need the power of the Holy Spirit to live our selfish lives. Just another one of those lighthearted messages that God gives us every once in a while. So here's the application it's twofold. What we're to think about. We have two questions we're going to ask the Lord. We can start while we're worshiping, and we will continue it over weeks and months, and we'll continue probably the rest of our Christian life asking these two questions. First, where am I to be involved? Start where you already are, but be open that God may say, I want you to get involved here. If, if I could show you my life under this principle, I started playing softball for that reason. Got too old, started bowling. Got too old, shoot pool. I was always looking for somewhere. Got, got involved in Royers, working for Royers. Always looking for somewhere that I can be out there intentionally hoping for opportunity. Here's the challenge for me being strategic about it, like asking God where and asking God who. As you discover the where, which you start where you are, now you start to ask God very specifically who. Who is it that you have assigned me to reach? Because you can't reach everybody. But there's many of us, and the many of us can reach many people. We just need to know, Lord, who is it that I'm to start praying for regularly? Regularly. Who is it then that I'm to do whatever you tell me to do connected to their lives? And that can be ongoing for the rest of your life. Where should I be? Show me. Is this good or is there somewhere else you want me to get involved in? And who is it you want me to reach? Become intentional. Become strategic. Well, that, that neighborhood family, hey, let's, let's see if they want to come to a backyard barbecue. I mean, the end, The possibilities are endless. You know that. But I'm just saying Strategic. Strategic, not like, oh, well, if it happens, because you know as well as I do, it's not happening. It is not happening. When was the last time you had a chance to really talk to somebody about Jesus? Somebody that didn't know him. It's not happening. God's calling the church to become intentional and strategic. Okay, let's call the band forward. Guys, come quickly. Well, I always speak so long, I gotta get them up here so we can get this thing moving on. While they're getting set, Deb's gonna to come to the mic cause she's gonna close the message in prayer. But I wanna tell you one story of how I've become intentional and strategic trying to. So when COVID hit, businesses were getting shut. The economy was beginning to tank. We have one of the very few manufacturing plants left, and it's in our town. It's it's Anvil Corporation. And I always come by there on my way out to the church, and it hit me one day, start praying for the prosperity of Anvil, the plant. And so I did. And every time I went by there, and every time I thought about it, I prayed for the prosperity of Anvil, that manufacturing plant, and thanking God for it. I noticed the parking lot began to fill up to overflowing. Workers, they were hiring. So I began to thank him for blessing the workers and for blessing their families. And then I realized I had to take it a step further. God was prospering the plant. God was blessing the workers. He was blessing their families. Where's the the ultimate in this? And I'm like, yeah, Lord, bring revival in that plant through the believers that you have placed there. And so now every time I go by there, I'm praying all those prayers and ending with, Lord, bring revival in that plant through the believers that you have placed there. Well, wait, that plant's not even connected to a church, Pastor. That's the point. There are believers in there, and they should be on mission with Christ in there, and he'll use them to bring revival to that plant. And then who knows where from there? The harvest will come here from that plant, and we'll begin to disciple the harvest and send them back out. And that's the way this whole thing works. Does that make sense to you? All right, Deb's going to pray, and we're going to play.
2: As I was preaching, um, a song came to my mind, and it's Jesus, Lover of My Soul. And I don't know if many of you have heard that, but it's an older song. And the lyrics just struck me. It goes along with this message. It says, it's all about you, Jesus, and all of this is for you for your glory and for your shame, it's not about me as if you should do things my way. And it says, you alone are God and I surrender to your ways. So we're gonna pray right now, we're gonna ask God to help us to surrender to his ways, to places where he wants us to be and to overcome this new fear now that we have because there is a fear in reaching out to unbelievers, to people who don't know the Lord, Um, there's a fear of Ridicule. There's a, a fear of not being taken seriously. So let's just close our eyes and bow our heads and let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come in and help us. And dear Heavenly Father, we just praise you. We praise you because you are the lover of our souls. You love us more than anything else because you created us and you created us for your purpose. Father, I pray that you would instill in each and every one of us today your will for us, instill in us your Holy Spirit, Father, so that when we go out of here, there is no fear. There is no fear of condemnation. There is no fear of the unknown. There is no fear of ridicule, Father, but that you will lead us to those people that you want us to to teach, to show your love for them, Father, to lead them to the Lord and Savior, to lead them to the lover of their souls, Father. Father, don't let us overlook anyone and let us know that wherever you have planted us, whether it's in Lancaster, Columbia, Mount Joy, Marietta, Father, wherever it is, no matter what job you've given us, you have put us there for a purpose. Father, help us to know that purpose. Help us to realize that we are called to a greater purpose. Thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at
1: blesscolumbia.org.